Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Greek myths and traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The great inventor Daedalus could build powerful warships that sailed the sea at breathtaking speeds. He could craft sculptures so realistic that you half expected them to greet you while you gawked at them. The only thing he couldn't do was get his baby boy to be quiet. Hush, Icarus. Please. It felt like the boy had done nothing but cry since birth. Normally, Daedalus would pass him off to a handmaiden, but it was late and everyone in the palace was asleep, so he grudgingly picked up the boy and rocked him from side to side. It just made him cry harder. Daedalus was close to tears himself from sheer frustration. But then he remembered that he was an expert problem solver. If side to side didn't work for the miserable child, he'd find something that would. Daedalus lifted his son up, then down, up, then down. Icarus stopped crying. Ah, you like that, do you? Up and down? The baby smiled. Daedalus raised him high, spinning him in the air. Seeing the joy on his son's face almost made him forget his misgivings about fatherhood. He spun the boy faster, and in his excitement, Daedalus didn't realize how dizzy he was getting, or see the errant scroll on the floor in front of him. When Daedalus tripped and let go of his son, he somehow saw his own life flash before his eyes. Icarus dropped like a stone. Daedalus lunged out and caught the child just in time. The baby teetered precariously in his new grip, giggling as if he had never been in danger. Daedalus wiped his brow, panting. Well, Icarus, now we've proven that babies cannot, in fact, fly. It was a close call, and Daedalus vowed to do better. He knew he wouldn't be the perfect father, but at the bare minimum, he swore to keep Icarus alive and to catch him if he fell. That he could do. Daedalus did not yet know that it was a promise he was doomed to break. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. 
Today, we explore the story of Daedalus and his son, Icarus. It's one of Greek mythology's most heartbreaking tragedies about a brilliant man caught in a cycle of creation and destruction. This week, we'll meet Daedalus, an inventor with a troubled past who struggles to raise his son, Icarus, and please the angry king, Minos. Next week, we'll follow Daedalus and Icarus as they attempt to rebuild their shattered bond. Coming up, we'll learn about Daedalus's dark early days. Stay with us. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A pair of artificial wings built so light and strong that a man could use them to fly. A labyrinth so dizzying that the mighty Minotaur could not find his way out. A statue of Hercules that was so lifelike, the legendary strongman destroyed it out of fear. None of these icons of Greek mythology would exist without Daedalus. He was the original jack-of-all-trades inventor, an ancient Leonardo da Vinci, whose name meant skillfully wrought. Daedalus's first notable appearance was in Homer's Iliad, an ancient epic poem written sometime in the 8th century BCE. Tales of his inventions soon spread throughout other seminal Greek and Roman texts by authors like Pausanias and Apollodorus. Daedalus was the symbol of human ingenuity, and over time he grew to be known as the forefather of architecture, weaponry, and sculpture. His reputation was so great that Socrates claimed to be descended from him. Though he has a supporting role in many tales as an inventor and innovator, Daedalus is best known for the tragic story of he and his son Icarus's flight, famously recounted in Ovid's Metamorphoses. The image of a father and son swooping through the sky on man-made wings has resonated throughout time, but it's only one chapter in a life full of dizzying highs and heartbreaking lows. See, before Daedalus was a wise inventor, he was a moody young man whose talent for creation was equally matched by his penchant for destruction. Citizens of Athens, gather round 
and witness a marvel worthy of the gods. Daedalus's rare public appearances always drew a crowd. Though he was only 25, the inventor was already treated with reverence. Some said Athena had blessed him with wisdom. Others said he was the son of Hephaestus, god of the forge. In truth, Daedalus was just a young man with a powerful mind and an ego to match. Daedalus stood on a rocky hillside in front of an imposing, newly built stone wall. A few Athenians cocked their heads curiously at it. Was this his new innovation? Shouldn't someone tell him walls had already been invented? Daedalus smirked, then walked to the wall. He took a piece of flint and another of steel from a pouch, then bent down near a string at the wall's base. He struck the pieces together and a spark burst into existence, catching the string on fire. Daedalus ducked as the wall exploded into brilliant purple and orange flames. Athenians ran or flung themselves onto the ground for safety, while others merely gawked. When the dust settled, they all burst into a cheer. They had never seen a man conjure such a blast, and the spectacle was worth every drachma they tossed at him. Daedalus gladly pocketed the coins. Thank you for your patronage! Fear not, fair citizens. Your hard-earned drachmas will be used to fund even greater marvels. Take care, until next time. Daedalus waved them off with the smile of a showman, but as soon as people dispersed, the smile vanished and he sighed with relief. Oh, thank the gods. Peace at last. Crowds actually exhausted him and his showmanship was a well-rehearsed facade. Daedalus was happy to be alone, which is why the sight of a teenager creeping up to the wall's smoking ruins was both a surprise and an annoyance. It was his sister's son, Perdix. Daedalus had never paid much attention to him or to any of his kin. His inventions were his real family. Perdix, run along home. Your mother will throttle me if you choke on the smoke. Just a moment longer, uncle. I'm trying to figure out how you did it. <laughs> That's for me to know and you to blindly guess at. It involves fire, obviously. But what does this string do? I'm surprised you noticed the string at all. And that odor! <laughs> I've smelled it before. When mother took me to the hot springs, is that... Sulfur? <gasps> Has sulfur somehow allowed you to set fire to stone? Do you soak the string in some kind of melted sulfur, then ignite it? Perdix, where have you been keeping this keen mind of yours? It's exactly the kind I'd value in a new apprentice. Whoever gets that job is a lucky boy indeed. I was offering you the role, but if you're this dense... No, no, I just wanted to hear you say it first. Only a fool accepts a job that wasn't explicitly offered. Well said. Come over tomorrow at dawn, and I'll put that mind to work. 
Daedalus had several young apprentices in his workshop. Most were only there to fetch him food or supplies, or reassure the moody creator of his own ingenuity. But Perdix turned out to be uniquely gifted, and he was especially good at keeping Daedalus on track when he got frazzled. Together, they created marvels, like a hand-operated drill and a powerful kind of glue. But the equilibrium was a fragile one. After a few years, Perdix grew into a confident young man whose skills matched his uncle's. He still helped Daedalus, but he also came up with ingenious ideas of his own. After playing with a skeleton that Daedalus kept in his workshop, Perdix was intrigued by the way he could widen and narrow the space between the thumb and the forefinger bones. It inspired him to invent a drafting compass, and he followed that up by creating a sharp, effective saw based on a fish's barbed spine. Perdix soon became the talk of Athens, and while Daedalus took credit for teaching him to think, he was irked by his nephew's growing fame. The two of them often tinkered with their experiments at the Acropolis, a set of holy temples on the cliffs above Athens. The Temple of Athena rested on the highest cliff, and it was Daedalus's favorite place to sit and think. Though he risked a deathly plummet every time he sat on the cliff's edge, he liked being up that high. He was often compared to the gods, and this spot made him feel like one. On this day, however, things were less than serene. The summer sun beat down on Daedalus and Perdix, who sweated through their chitin robes as they worked on their latest creation. It was a pair of wings, small artificial ones, that is, attached to a basket. They wanted to pioneer a gliding transport to fly supplies from the mountains to the valley. Perdix built a frame out of bones, while Daedalus searched for the right pliable material to wrap the bones and provide the necessary glide. Hold it tight. Perdix, hold it tight while I tie the lambskin to the frame. It's no use. Can't you see the strain on the skin? It's sagging in the middle. Better a stretch than a rip. Now, just hold it tighter. See? Now it's stretched and ripped. We should have tried this with cowhide. Don't be a fool. The, the hide would bake under the sun and crack. Uncle, just admit that you were wrong. So you disagree with your mentor? Respectfully, I do. On this matter, at least. Hasn't my training led to your sterling reputation as a young inventor? It has. And some might say my reputation has surpassed yours. <laughs> Is that so? You only make things for people to gawk at. Beautiful statues, fiery explosions. You're consumed with spectacle. Spectacle which funds our endeavors. That's not true. Not anymore. My compass helps architects draw plans for people's homes. My saw helps laborers cut wood every day. Face the facts. Athenians love your work but they need mine. Perdix, you have no worth without me backing you. Yes, I do. You aren't the only genius in the world, Uncle Daedalus. I'm on the rise, and you cannot stop me. Well, Perdix the ingenious, whatever rises must inevitably fall. 
Daedalus's eyes flashed with anger. Perdix had gone too far. Before he could stop himself, he stepped forward and shoved his nephew off the cliff. Time slowed as Daedalus watched him fall. He felt his chest tighten. He wished he could take it back. He wished he could strap on those stupid wings and fly down to rescue his sister's son. But it was too late. Or it would have been if this crime had not been committed on hallowed ground. Just as Perdix was about to hit the rocks, the clouds broke above Athena's temple. A beam of light arced down the cliffside. The warm glow enveloped Perdix and lifted him into the air. When the light died, a partridge appeared in his place. Daedalus watched the bird dive down off the cliffs, headed for Athens. He was sure his transformed nephew would chirp to everyone about his betrayal, and for the first time, he worried that the people of Athens wouldn't take his side. Daedalus was right. If Perdix's death felt like it happened in slow motion, then Daedalus's downfall occurred in a flash. His sister fell into a deep sorrow. Though her son was technically alive as a bird, she could not hide her anguish at the loss of Perdix's humanity. She climbed up to Athena's temple and threw herself off the cliff. This time, there would be no godly intervention. Daedalus's apprentices burned his workshop down, destroying his plans and unfinished inventions. As Daedalus wept in the ruins, Athenian guards marched up to place chains around his arms and march him to his trial. The inventor's heart burned with shame. He fancied himself a creator, but jealousy had turned him into a destroyer. The guards marched Daedalus up onto the Areopagus, the Hill of Ares, a rocky mound where Athenian lawmakers investigated the most serious crimes, arson, heresy, defacing a sacred olive tree, or of course, murder. The verdict was swift. There must have been some sympathy for Daedalus left in Athens because he wasn't sentenced to death. He was merely banished for life. Daedalus was released on a beach at the tip of the Greek mainland. All he was given was a moldy loaf of bread and a leaky rowboat with a mangled oar. As the guards retreated, Daedalus looked out at the stormy Aegean Sea. The only way he'd have a future was to start over in some distant land, but his pitiful boat wouldn't last long on the choppy waters. Unless, of course, he got inventive. Coming up, Daedalus is forced to find new uses for his ingenuity. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. 
others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Now, back to the story. Daedalus slumped in his rickety rowboat and looked out at the sea behind him. The Athenian coast was only visible when the waves dipped low, and he winced every time he saw it. In Athens, he had risen to fame as a young inventor, but it was also where he had killed his apprentice and nephew, Perdix, in a fit of jealousy. The city guards had forced him out onto the Aegean Sea with nothing but moldy bread, a leaky boat, and a mangled oar. They clearly wanted him to drown, but Daedalus was determined to survive. He had sins to atone for before he reached the river Styx. Working quickly but methodically, Daedalus tore up the bread and used the pieces to plug up the boat's leaky hull. They wouldn't last forever, but at least they would buy him some time to think. His next problem was propulsion. The mangled oar was no match for the fierce waves that buffeted his boat. Daedalus noticed how the wind whipped his heavy chitin robe. If only there was some way he could use it to harness the wind's power. He jammed the oar between the planks at the center of the boat until it stood straight. Then he tore off his robe and tied one end to the top of the oar and the other end to the bottom. It was the world's first sail, and as the wind picked up, Daedalus guided the boat to an island called Crete. Crete was the birthplace of the great god Zeus. People said it was ruled by Zeus's son Minos and Queen Pasiphae. Daedalus grew anxious as the island loomed before him. For while he had never been there, he had heard stories about Minos. Some called Minos mad for his vengeful efforts to conquer Athens after his son Androgeus was killed there. Others called him a hero for his friendship with the gods and his command of a formidable seafaring army. Either way, Daedalus wanted nothing to do with him. All he wanted was to start over in anonymity. 
Unfortunately for Daedalus, his ship sailed straight into the king's harbor. The guards were stunned at the sight of a naked man gliding in on a strange boat that seemed to steer itself. So they apprehended him. They dragged Daedalus to the great palace at Gnosis, straight to Minos and Pasiphae's throne room. King Minos, I beg you to set me free. I am but a poor peasant adrift at sea. Ha ha ha! Nonsense! You are Daedalus, the cleverest man in all of Greece. How do you know that? I have my spies on the mainland. And what is their latest word? They tell me a very chatty partridge got you banished. <laughs> Only in Athens. If you know of my terrible crime, then I am sure you want nothing to do with me. Give me passage off this island and I will bring no shame on your court. Shame? For that business with your nephew? Oh gods, who cares? In Crete, you can be a new man. Live here with us. Build your inventions for the glory of Minos. I'm afraid my days of inventing are done. My creations have only led to destruction. How poetic. But I'm afraid I won't take no for an answer. I want your mind. Then cut off my head. Uh, if you insist. Guards! Wait. Queen Pasiphae rose from her throne to saunter over to Daedalus. He blushed, for there was both comfort and seduction in her piercing gaze. You say you are finished with creation, yet with every passing moment, you create more suffering for yourself. And for me! Hush, my love. Daedalus, you did a terrible thing, but the gods saw fit to spare you and sent you to our court. We can give you the tools to bring even greater creations to life. A second chance is so rare. Why waste it? Perhaps you're right. Daedalus was appointed as Minos's royal inventor. He begged him not to announce it. The last thing he needed was for news to get back to Athens. Even if he wasn't a banished murderer, Daedalus wanted to lay low. It was hubris and pride that had driven him to kill Perdix. Staying humble was the only way to start over without spitting on his nephew's memory. If he was going to invent again, his creations would be practical and useful, like Perdix's had been. He built tools to make Crete's laborers more efficient. He outfitted Minos's ships with sails, making them the first seafaring navy to harness the wind. He crafted sculptures of Minos whose eyes seemed to follow you as you moved. All the while, Daedalus hardly left his new, cavernous workshop. Though he was only 30, Minos took to calling him Old Man. And while the nickname stung, Daedalus knew it was an apt one. He rejected Minos's pleas to get drunk with him on the glorious ships he had built. He deflected Pasiphae's offers to set him up with one of her handmaids. He even shot down their joint request for him to become more intimately involved with their marriage. 
Crete's royals were lusty, gregarious, and eager for a good time, but Daedalus simply wasn't the type to enjoy a celebration, which is why it was so strange that he engineered Crete's greatest party. Minos's daughter Ariadne was turning 13 and wanted to throw the best birthday Crete had ever seen. She craved something bold and unforgettable, and she begged Daedalus to work his magic. It had been a long time since he'd built something simply to wow a crowd, and Daedalus couldn't resist. After a night of pacing and pondering, he came up with a plan so frivolous he felt like a teenage princess himself. He had his laborers break open the gathering hall's ceiling and replace it with panes of stained glass. He paved the old stone floor with white marble, flecked with gold and mica. When light shone down through the stained glass, it sparkled with every color of the rainbow. As Daedalus surveyed the finished hall, he allowed himself a smile, but just a quick one. Pride came before a fall, and he didn't want to jinx the party. Luckily, Daedalus's work was a hit. Royals and servants alike danced, drank, and feasted into the wee hours, marveling at the dizzying lights. All except Daedalus, who sat to the side and watched the ceiling. He prayed that nothing would go wrong, that the glass wouldn't shatter and rain shards down upon the princess and her friends. As his eyes scanned the hall for trouble, he accidentally locked eyes with Nocrate, Pasiphae's loudest, wittiest handmaiden. Under Daedalus's rainbow lights, she was also the prettiest. Nocrate waved at Daedalus, who clenched his jaw, closed his eyes, and tried to look pensive. He recited formulas, numbers, anything to make him look busy and boring. But that didn't stop Nocrate from coming over to greet him. Master Daedalus, join me for a spin on your dance ground. Floor. Dance floor. Unless you think that sounds silly. <laughs> who cares? Now come, let's celebrate your success. No, thank you. I couldn't. It would be unseemly. Oh? Are you ashamed of the dance ground? Is it not your best work? It's floor, and I said no such thing. I'd like to see someone else try to design it. Ah, so you admit that you're proud of it. I am relieved that my efforts have pleased the princess, but parading myself under the lights feels too boastful. Then again, King Minos has been giving me strange looks all night, ever since I rejected the wine he offered me. Perhaps he thinks I'm being a stick in the mud. <laughs> I'm not sure that's where he thinks the stick is. I won't be mocked, Nocrate. I don't mean to mock, it's just... My mother once told me of a great structure in Egypt where her ancestors lived. A labyrinth by Lake Maris. One so elaborate that even its makers couldn't find their way out. Fascinating, but what is your point? I think your mind is a labyrinth too. And your soul has lost its way inside. Maybe I like it in here. Or maybe you just won't admit that you need someone to help you escape. 
She held out her hand and Daedalus grew dizzy. He wanted to blame the lights or the pungent incense, but he was too smart for that. Nocrity was simply the most entrancing woman he'd ever met, and he did want to dance with her. And dance they did, all night long at Ariadne's party. Then at their engagement and their wedding, and at the feast where they announced they were expecting. Daedalus promised they'd keep dancing until they were old and weary. But their dance ended far sooner than expected. Nocrity died in childbirth, leaving behind a baby boy named Icarus. The birth was supposed to be joyous for Daedalus, his most magical act of creation yet. But it came with a deadly cost, and he found no bliss in his son's presence. He was angry at the boy for killing his mother, and ashamed at himself for such a thought. But even if he were able to move past Nocrates' death, Daedalus worried that he wasn't fit to be a father. He was keenly aware of his capacity for spite and jealousy, and wanted to spare his son from his dark impulses. Queen Pasiphae often stopped by Daedalus's workshop to play with little Icarus, and vent about Minos's wandering eye. The pair became close friends, and one night, Daedalus told Pasiphae about his rather unorthodox approach to fatherhood. I know things are difficult, but you must take solace in the fact that Nocrity left you this adorable baby. Why, soon, he'll be your own little apprentice. I'll have the laborers turn that corner into a playroom. No. In fact, I plan to keep Icarus as far away from here as possible. Daedalus, why? You have so much knowledge to pass on. <sighs> the apprentice I killed in Athens. Perdix. He was my nephew. My blood. But when it became clear he was just as clever as me, our kinship meant nothing. I saw him as my competition, and he had to be eliminated. But Icarus is your son! Precisely. He stands an even greater chance of surpassing me, and I don't want my jealousy to taint our relationship. Don't be ridiculous. Are you saying you would slay Icarus too? I'm saying I don't want to find out. He shall know nothing of my past, and take no part in my work. I'd rather he be stupid and happy than clever and miserable. I fear you may regret this choice. I already regret so many of my choices. What's one more? Daedalus vowed that Icarus would live a life completely different from his own. Maybe that meant they would never be close. Maybe that meant all of Daedalus's skills would die with him. But it would all be worth it to keep Icarus safe. Or so Daedalus thought. Up next, Icarus comes of age and grapples with his aloof father. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now, back to the story. Icarus raced through the halls of Gnosis on his way to his father Daedalus's workshop. Though he'd grown up in the palace, he was still a little lost for two good reasons. The first was that his father was constantly building new additions to satisfy King Minos's desires. The second was that he rarely got to visit his father's strange workshop. They mostly saw each other in their quarters or at supper when Daedalus bothered to show up. Icarus didn't know why his father was so distant, but he supposed it had to do with his boring work as an inventor or architect or something. Sometimes Icarus wished he and his father were closer, but they just had different interests. Icarus was raised by handmaidens and palace guards who turned him into more of an athlete than a scholar. Not that Icarus minded, he liked being out in the sun, proving his might and roughhousing with the other noble boys. But today was Icarus's 16th birthday, and he needed his father. Icarus, how many times have I told you not to disturb me here? But father, the royal foot race is about to begin, and this is the first year I qualify to run. Don't tell me you're not coming. Icarus... Pacifae requires an urgent consultation about her pregnancy. You're an inventor, not a doctor. Tell her it can wait. The queen is practically family. She'll understand. Pacifae may be like an aunt to you, but she is my employer. I'm sorry. You're always sorry. You're always working. Wait. I may have forgotten the race was today. But I did remember to build you a little birthday present that will help you win it. Daedalus rustled in a drawer and pulled out a pair of finely crafted leather running sandals with a strange addition. He presented them with a smile. Father, why in Zeus's name would you glue chicken breasts to the soles of my good running sandals? Isn't it obvious? No! I have no idea why you do the things you do. The flesh provides extra padding, silly boy. Your feet will sigh with comfort throughout the race, long after the other boys collapse from foot pain and poor arch support. You're practically guaranteed to win. It's ingenious. It's disgusting. I can't wear chicken on my feet. The other boys will laugh. They'll, they'll call me Chickorous. Icarus, just trust me and do as you're told. Give me a reason to trust you. Daedalus did not answer. 
Instead, he just held out the sandals, a faint hint of regret in his eyes. Icarus sighed, grabbed the sandals, and stormed out. Icarus wondered if it was his fault. Maybe if he were smarter, his father would like him. Or maybe if they had more family around, he could confide in someone else. But his mother was dead, and any other relatives were in faraway Athens. Daedalus never talked about Athens. The most Icarus knew was that something had driven him to start over in Crete. An experiment gone wrong, perhaps? Or maybe a death in the family? Icarus wasn't sure. Like so many things about his father, the tale was shrouded in mystery. Icarus hardly knew who the real Daedalus was. All he got were whispers of the past and the odd crumb of affection. Icarus sighed, stopped, and slipped his feet into the strange sandals his father had built for him. He walked a few paces. Though the shoes made a disturbingly squishy sound, he had to admit they did give an extra spring to his step. That evening, Icarus sat alone at the finish line, idly playing with his gold medal. He'd won the race, but the victory felt hollow. He was ashamed to see his tears drip down onto the medal. As he wiped them off, he heard footsteps approach. He looked up, hoping to see Daedalus. But it was just King Minos, who looked a little lost himself. Something wrong, my boy. Being crowned victor should be a thrill for any young man. But I suppose you wish your father were here to see it. I just don't understand. Is it so hard to care about me? <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. You also wish my father cared for you? <laughs> no, not Daedalus. Pasiphae. But you've been together for years. She's about to have another of your children. And yet she grows more distant by the second. I've half a mind to wonder if the child is even mine. I wish she were here today, too. Well, she's with my father. What? No. She was going to see her midwife to discuss the delivery. My father said she needed to see him. I'm sure of it. Icarus. Do your king a favor and go check on them. Find out what was so important that they had to miss your race. I'd rather stay out of it. Surely you could go. <laughs> Pasiphae's handmaidens are loyal only to her. They'd block the door to her chambers, which would infuriate me. And she always gets so annoyed when I kill one of her girls. I don't know. Father would be upset. If you do, I'll tell you what you want to know, what you need to know about your father's past and why he can never return home. I'll be back soon. <laughs> Good boy. Icarus dashed through the palace, headed for Pasiphae's quarters. But when he arrived, her handmaiden told him that the queen and Daedalus had left in a hurry. 
Icarus leaned in to deploy the sunny charm that always worked on girls his age. He asked the handmaiden where they were going and promised not to tell. The girl blushed and admitted that she last saw them headed for the forest. Icarus crept through the dark forest. He was usually a confident outdoorsman, but tonight was different. Even though he didn't know where his father or Pasiphae were, he could hear them in the distance. And what he heard was quite unsettling to his 16-year-old mind. Hush! Almost there? Icarus heard an inhuman cry shake the trees. The sky seemed to go black as his heart pounded. This was a mistake. He turned to run back to the palace. <laughs> Suddenly, a partridge flew right up to Icarus's face, chirping up a frenzy. Somehow, Icarus knew the bird wanted to lead him deeper into the woods. Icarus tore through the bushes and branches, trying to match the partridge's pace. The bird chirped once more as they arrived at the edge of a clearing. Icarus ducked down low and took in a terrible and wondrous sight. Queen Pasiphae lay on the grass, naked, breathless, and covered in blood. Daedalus knelt beside her, blood spattered across his face. In his arms was a baby, but not like any Icarus had ever seen. The child's body bulged and rippled with muscle. Its cry was an animalistic grunt, like the sound of a cow being slaughtered, and its head was that of a bull. <laughs> But all that didn't scare Icarus as much as the look on his father's face did, for Daedalus cradled the bull child with more affection and tenderness than he had ever shown Icarus. Ooh. Icarus's face twisted into a frown and his heart hardened. His father had missed his birthday for this creature. That was how little Icarus mattered to him. Icarus made up his mind. He would go back to the palace. He would tell Minos of this strange sight. He would stop seeking affection from Daedalus. It didn't matter if the strange genius was the only family he'd ever known. It didn't matter if he had raised him. As far as Icarus was concerned, he had no father. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. Find out what happens when Daedalus is punished for betraying the king, and Icarus must choose whether to side with Minos or forgive his father. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. 
Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children. And every Wednesday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Laura Faye Smith, K.G. Tang, Eddie Lee, and Tom Bauer. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from ParCast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.